Welcome to the Make Parts Fast podcast series. I'm Leslie Langnaut, Managing Editor of Make Parts Fast, and I'm here today with the co-founder and CEO of Fast Radius, Rick Smith. Thank you for joining me today, Rick. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Okay, um, let's go into a little bit about additive service providers. Can you tell me how these groups can best help a design engineer? Yeah, so I think that the the additive uh, uh, you, you know technologies have certainly been around for quite a while. Um, you know, I think almost 30 years at this point. Uh, the you know the very first machine was was called a rapid prototyping machine. So in terms of um, of being able to get an, an, a physical representation from the mind of an engineer into the hands of an engineer, there there really isn't anything better than using uh, you know the uh, either printers that you have yourself or, or a growing list of service bureaus that are that are in the market. But I think what we're seeing now is um, an expansion significantly beyond that. So rather than just visual prototypes moving into the realm of functional prototypes. Uh, uh, what we call bridge to tooling, where you can actually, um, you, you know, rather than waiting on a tool to be made for a period of several months, you can actually get parts into the market, uh, product systems into the market uh, much faster. You can start doing A-B testing, um, you know, split testing of physical things the way that they, you know, they've been doing in the, in the digital world for, for, for some time. So I think there's a real host of new applications um, that, are, that are very impactful for, for the engineer and design community. It does seem as though there's a, a number, or a growing number of additive service bureaus around for engineers to use. So what are some of these applications? What are some of these ways that an engineer can best work with an additive service provider? Yeah, so I, I think, um, you know, there's a couple things. One is, um, it, you know, if you have providers that can provide a very rapid turnaround, it, it can speed up the entire design process. Um, so, you know, our, our business, Fast Radius, was, was really built around that idea of speed and scale, uh, where we're, we're partnered with UPS, where our factory is actually located at the end of the runway uh, in Louisville in, in UPS's global distribution, uh, you know, headquarters. So we can produce parts till, you know, midnight and then have them shipped by 9 a.m. anywhere in the U.S. Um, we, we have a lot of uh, engineer and design groups that we work directly with where they'll send us their parts, you know, three, four, five o'clock in the afternoon towards the end of their day and then just get those parts delivered to them by, you know, first thing the, the next morning. Um, you know, I think the service prov providers, you know, there's a lot of different printers um, that are available um, the you know until you get into the higher end higher cost printers you don't get the same level of reliability so we see a lot of design shops where they they actually have a printer in their design shop there's a a line to get you know get your parts printed. A lot of times they'll print stuff overnight, and the printer the print job doesn't work, and you have to restart it. So I think for you know to answer your question, I think that's that's one area where um, uh, you know just having the access to that capacity and having somebody somebody basically make sure that they get it done in a timely manner, and that it's and you don't have to worry about the printing process would be one of the main areas to, to you know to work with the service bureaus. Okay. You mentioned um, your unique business model, and it is kind of different from some of the others where you're working with UPS. Can you kind of describe that a little bit? 
Yeah, so we, um, w- when we started in the business a couple, two and a half years ago, um, our, uh, my partner Mitch Free um, and I had the, had the notion that, that the industry was about to change, that you know, the, the, the industry has been served by um, you know, kind of a lot of sort of mom and pop type uh, you know, service bureaus, a lot of small service bureaus and a number of them that have gotten large, mainly by rolling up a lot of small service bureaus. So, um, and we saw sort of a consistent level of offering um, among those groups. Great for prototyping, uh, you know, a lot of personal relationships with the people that run the printers. But as you start to move into a manufacturing type environment, you don't really see that the level of sophistication uh, that you would normally that that a customer would normally see from um, uh, outsourced manufacturing partners in other areas of manufacturing. Uh, so, for example, you know how do they manage security, uh, materials traceability, first article inspection, things that you would normally uh, you know assume uh, would be processes that were in place with a manufacturing partner. You really don't see those across the board in um, in service bureaus. And so that's, we started from the, from the very beginning saying, okay, how do we build a true manufacturing company with all of the level of sophistication that you would expect, and then work with, you know, designers and engineers and companies as they migrate from doing prototypes to actually getting into, you know, low and medium volume type production opportunities. Okay, well then, given that, um, I'm sure you're aware of some of the new additive machines that have been introduced this year, much more for a manufacturing kind of capability. Is this something that's going to be added into your group of machines and processes? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting. So one of the things that, um, you know, in addition to producing low-volume parts, uh, which we do on a, you know, every day of the year, um, we also have an advisory services group. We've got some of the top minds in, um, in advanced manufacturing on our team, and, and we, we'll actually start from the very beginning of the process with senior executives um, who are just starting to explore, uh, you know, how do I use, um, how can additive manufacturing and on-demand production uh, change my business in a number of different ways? Um, one of the, you know, we'll, we'll go from that, we'll identify some opportunities, we'll help prioritize those, and then we go to a step um, for a technology review. And, and just to give you an example, um, we've got one, uh, uh, one customized product that a company wants us to help bring to life where they're looking at volumes of probably 300,000 units per year. Um, we are evaluating four separate technologies for that application, and none of the four technologies are actually on the market yet. Um, so we've been in a position where we've actually gotten to know and have very strong relationships with the, you know, the Skunk Works or the R&D groups within all of the major uh, providers. So, you know, Stratasys 3D Systems, uh, as well as HP, Carbon 3D, some of the newer companies, um, Desktop Metal, some of the newer companies that are bringing new technologies um, to life. And I think this is, this is really what makes this moment in time so exciting. Um, the, you know, not only from a speed and scale perspective of production, but the, but the material applications that are now possible or will soon be in the next 18 months um, has never been av- available before. And it just opens up an exponential amount of applications where on-demand production really makes sense. What kind of material advances are you seeing? 
So, so different uh, types of surface, surface finishes, uh, strength properties, strength consistency, uh, colors. I think you know, even if you look at the, you know, on, the, on the outskirts, two iterations from now of the new HP printers, they're, 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 the promise of that particular technology is that you can, you can actually customize a design down to the voxel level. Right? So a voxel is a pixel in three dimensions. So you can actually go in and, and instead of thinking of one solid object that's made with one uniform consistent material, you know, now you're thinking in a world where, hey, I can have different physical properties, um, electrical properties, texture, uh, uh, friction, um, strength. I can customize all that down to the you know, ten thousandth of an inch within within an item. And I think this is where the, you know, the promise of where all this is going really comes to life. Now, in addition to the additive systems that you have at your facilities, do you also have more traditional subtractive machinery and equipment? Yes. So, so we have uh, uh, a pretty significant CNC machining shop. Um, we do rapid injection molding. And I, I think that's sort of the state of the industry right now is, you know, for a prototype, the 3D printer is great, right? You can you can mm-hmm. you can have it print out a sh- physical shape, and and send it off, and that pretty much meets your needs. If you're talking about an end-use part, um, so you know parts, not shapes, there mm-hmm. typically has to be, you know, at a minimum inspection, but in most cases, some type of post-processing that's done to that part to actually make it a part. And in many cases, it involves you know machining or some of the other subtractive processes that work in partnership with, um, you know, with the 3D printing. I think in particular on the metals side, when you're printing metal in almost every case, if, if it's an end-use part, in almost every case there's some type of machining that, um, you know, that's required in, in partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So what do you see happening in the next five years with this industry as far as either additive in general or additive and providing services? Yeah, so I think we're on the verge of a major shift. Um, uh, in fact, I have uh, my, my third book just came out a couple of weeks ago called The Great Disruption, and and my it is you know it's my fundamental belief that 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 I think these technologies, um, you know, advanced manufacturing more broadly, but specifically um, additive manufacturing, I think is going to lead into uh, you know bigger changes in the way things are produced than even in the industrial revolu- through the industrial revolution, and and I think that you where, where you're going to see that is really in two uh, significant applications. The first is complexity, um, where because you know using additive, you can you can create shapes and geometries that are impossible any other way with pretty groundbreaking performance outcomes. Um, the GE fuel injector or fuel nozzle is one of the most cited examples where because of the geometries they're able to get, um, you know they can increase fuel efficiency by 15%, you know saving a million dollars per year per plane. Um, so I think on the geometry side, you have a have some sort of a design renaissance that's going to occur. And then on the other side of the equation is supply chain. I think we're going to start seeing a major collapse in supply chains um, around the world as production moves much closer to demand. Um, And that's really at the heart of uh, our company, Fast Radius. At the heart of our strategy is how do we integrate 
on-demand production into the supply chain and, and be able to deliver whatever you want, whenever you want it, wherever you need it in the world in the exact quantities that are, um, that are desired. And I think all of those applications start to come online within the next five years. Very interesting. Well, thank you so much for your time, Rick. I really appreciate it. Well, super. I appreciate having the discussion.